Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture, presented by Cape and Cowell Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Clara May. Clara, how's it going? Great, Henry. How are you? Doing well. So, Silicon Valley Comic Con is almost upon us, and uh, let's give them a plug. Friday, April 6th through Sunday, April 8th. It is a great con. Recommend everyone go check it out. And yes, the Comic Sauce podcast is an affiliate of SVCC, the Silicon Valley Comic Con. Uh, So uh, we do have an exclusive link you can use to purchase your tickets, your autographs, and your photo ops. Um, I will include this link in the episode description. Uh, so be sure to purchase through that link. Okay. So Clara, yeah. you were at South by Southwest recently, yeah? Yeah, I was. I was. Cool. So uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your experience there. Yeah. Um, so this was my first time to Texas, you know, period. Um, and I had heard that Austin was kind of like the I don't know, like the San Francisco or the Bay Area of Texas, and I didn't, right. I didn't know if I believed it. <laughs> but when I got there, I mean, it's really true. It's really um, surprisingly metropolitan. Okay. Um, it seemed pretty diverse, pretty progressive, but I also don't know how much of that is the city, and then or just the con. Oh right. But um, it was just interesting. Like I learned that the whole city's been built in basically the last ten years because of the tech boom. So I had like four Lyft drivers tell me this, that like the tallest, the tallest structure um, in the city used to be like this bell tower, clock tower at UT Austin, which is only like, I don't know, like seven stories or something. Okay. But now you can see it's completely dwarfed by all these um, business buildings and hotels in the city that have all been built. And you see the whole city is kind of overlooked by all these cranes because it's just being built now. Okay. Um, wow. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. So you see um, these really new buildings and all these really hipster places, you know, like acai bowl places, okay. right next to the older Austin, which is there's a lot of um, you know like cowboy themed bars, okay, um, barbecue lot, joints, barbe- right? Yeah, a lot of barbecue okay. joints. Um, so they're kind of like sharing that space together now. So it's like this really interesting culture, cool. side by side. Um, I think it's a great place if you're looking to um, bar hop. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's literally this one street where a driver told me there must be like 100 or 200 bars on a single straightaway, like oh, wow. one after another. So <laughs> it was crazy. So like if you think of um, the downtown area at uh, San Diego Comic Con, mm-hmm. I can multiply it by like five. Oh, it's just wow. like a massive... At least during South by, it was like a massive party zone. Okay. So it's just, it was very interesting. Um, and South by, I would say, is an extremely well organized con. I think if you don't want San Diego Comic Con to be ruined for you, maybe don't go to South by <laughs> because, okay. like, no, I'm serious, because I went as press. Um, and, like, one of the great things about South by is that like the emails are so organized and as press and professionals you get first choice of like the hotels uh, before it gets open to the public whereas you know for comic-con it's like a free-for-all and you're like fighting for your life for those hotels um so that was more organized Uh, there was wi-fi everywhere because you know it's a half tech 
conference. Right. So like yeah. you, on San Diego, I was like dying <laughs> because I didn't have Wi-Fi in most mm-hmm. of the places, including the convention center. But here it was all, it was everywhere. Um, almost every sponsor there, like Sony or BMW, had like all these setups where you could usually get some sort of free drink or at least free coffee. Um, you, there's a lot of lounge areas, a lot of places to sit which is very different from a lot of comic cons where you see people just having to sit on the floor. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it wasn't like that at all. So huh. I was just like, Oh my gosh, I've been ruined <laughs> for comic cons, you know? <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And Amazing. I went there for the film. So it's definitely a different vibe mm-hmm. than comic con, but I would highly recommend, you know, ever going to that if you're at all interested in, um, so the tech thing is open to everyone, the exhibit hall, but you can also go for film, which is considered a huge track now. Um, the music festival is great. Um, they also have gaming now, which I never even saw. It was in an entirely different building. And they also have a whole track for social justice or activism. Oh, whoa. Yeah, because they had a bunch of speakers there, and I know they had, like, W... Um, K- Kamui Bell. I'm going to get these names wrong. But oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. And then... Um, Tanahisi Coates was there. Oh, no way. Yeah, so they had a lot of just interesting speakers. Um, and they do have geeky stuff. Like, they had a Westworld experience. Oh, I heard they about had, that. like, the terror experience. But you had to get tickets way in advance. So I sadly okay. didn't see any of this stuff. But mm-hmm. I think it's a really interesting con. I think it's going to give, if it's not already, giving uh, San Diego's, you know, con a run for its money. Wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, go I'm, to Austin, man. It, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think with South by Southwest, you do get a lot of the pop culture stuff you you get at San Diego Comic-Con too, right? Like, Mm -hmm. for example, um, you saw the pilot for Cloak and Dagger, right? Yes, I did. I did. Which hilariously, it was uh, shown to us in a church, which is like very strange. But apparently this church does viewings all the time because I was feeling a little weird. And they're like, oh, no, it's fine. But um, so, yeah, they showed us the first the pilot episode and then they actually had the cast and the director there, um, and the director is the uh, the love and basketball director Gina Prince by the Wood. Mm. Um, so I think I, I thought it was interesting that it's a black woman, you know, directing this tale about these two young kids, and one of the kids, you know, of the two halves is a black boy, um, and it does kind of explore what it means to be black in society, especially mm-hmm. if you're a young man. Um, in that first episode, you kind of see stuff like that play out and contrast it against the white girl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So you see literally Cloak and Dagger before they're any sort of superhero character. Okay. You know, Because I think when you hear Cloak and Dagger, most people have no idea <laughs> who they are. You know, They're just really kind of sidelined characters. Right. And this show very much uh, sets them in kind of a real-world feel, kind of like The Runaways did, mm-hmm. Hulu's Runaways. It has that same feel. Um, kind of a little darker, like not only visually but story-wise, than Runaways. But, you know, I think people would be interested in seeing it. Like, I'm kind okay. of excited to see what the feedback will be once it actually premieres, um, which I think is June 8 is the premiere. Okay. Uh, 8 p.m. at June 8. Um, so, yeah, I think I think people will like it. I hope they will. Okay. You know, I think it's impressive that Marvel hired a black woman director for this, you know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I had seen, like, a trailer they did mm-hmm. for it a while ago, and one thing that was gave me some reservations mm-hmm. was 
it seemed like it was kind of teen targeted. Yeah. Like, would you say that, did, did it feel like it was sort of geared toward like a younger audience? I would say probably older teen um, okay. because it does go over some like pretty heavy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's drug use in the episode. Um, some people die. Um, I would definitely say it's older teen than Runaways, which I think oh. is kind of. I would, okay. Yeah, I don't. Let's see, Runaways. I would say maybe. What would you say? Because you have you have <laughs> kids, like maybe fifteen year olds. Yeah, that seems. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the fact you said, you know, that Runaways is geared mm-hmm. a little younger yeah like that that to me is like oh it's this is fine so, yeah <laughs> because, yeah and i will you know. say like everyone of course of course it's south by southwest but everyone in the audience was an adult <laughs> right right and like i did see um some you know some blogs just did like vague reviews of it and they're like oh yeah this is you know an adult show very okay. very mature and i'm like oh, well i mean like a lot of teenagers go through mature things yeah. but i do i would say that maybe it does lean a little bit more older teens okay yeah, yeah. Ki- younger kids just might not be interested in it it's a so little if, too dark if i can enjoy yes. runaways i should be able to enjoy yeah, this show yeah i'm pretty sure yeah. okay and you're you're giving it. I know you can't talk too much <laughs> about it right now, I don't but know when the embargo drops, this is why I'm like this. But yeah, um, being a little vague. But yeah. you, can you give like a a recommended or not recommended? It's so here? hard because the when it premieres, it's going to be a full hour, and we only got the first episode. So okay. I think like so we got half of the premiere. So I would say for the first half, I don't know that it hooks you the way it maybe wants to okay but maybe after the second episode you really get that oh man i really want to watch more of this um right right yeah because i I watched it with a colleague my editor-in-chief and she was like yeah you know it was okay uh so you know maybe we just need to see that second one to see the story really like you know come alive gotcha okay yeah i I know you mean so so right now (laughs) so so okay well we'll leave it at that (laughs) but yeah i know you mean it's it is difficult to yeah, judge to age, yeah. a whole series on one episode. Yeah, right? and to be fair, like Runaways, I felt was pretty slow until episode like four or five. Yeah. So sometimes some shows just kind of they need the momentum first. So you definitely. Know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, there was some movie news mm-hmm. we can discuss. This isn't super new, but um, definitely significant. You know, um, so Wonder Woman two. There was a pretty significant casting. Mm-hmm. Kristen Wiig was cast as Cheetah, mm-hmm. presumably as the main baddie for mm-hmm. this movie, right? What, yeah. what are your thoughts on, on this? <sighs> I saw, when this was announced, I saw so many people upset. Um, yeah. Because Cheetah is not typically a comedic character, and mm-hmm. obviously Kristen Wiig is, like, hilarious. Yeah. And most known for her comedy. Right. Um, but I would say that maybe, you know, maybe it will work because uh, Cheetah is kind of like, she's colorful and loud enough to be maybe Wonder Woman's Joker, mm. you know? Um, she's kind of a quirky character. She is kind of like a Laura Croft type, an ar- a rich archaeologist who sells her soul <laughs> to a god for supernatural powers, but the trade-off is she turns into like this werewolf Cheetah. Mm-hmm. Um so it's kind of like she's blessed, but she's also cursed because it's not okay. an attractive cheetah. You know, <laughs> she's like a werewolf. Um, so when she clashes with Wonder Woman, it's kind of like uh, Diana almost feels sympathy for her sometimes because she's, you know, she's being uh, controlled basically by mm-hmm. this god for these right. powers. 
Um, and, you know, Diana is kind of like, she's she always feels something for mortals. So I think it's an interesting story to adapt. Yeah. I think that maybe this might be Wig's, um, you know, serious breakout role. Like, no one ever believed that um, Heath Ledger would be able to do the Joker. Because he was always yeah. kind of the heartthrob dude, kind of shallow dude. Right. But he really brought that character to life. So maybe, you know, this would be Wig's moment. That's a good example, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I do think it's... Um, I'm excited that there's actually a female villain in the second Wonder Woman movie because I was so disappointed. I mean, we talked about this. The villain yeah. in the first movie was Professor Lupin from Harry Potter. Yeah. And it was awful. <laughs> yeah. And like, and it was weird because within that movie, they had, uh, who was she? Dr. Poison. Yes. That woman. Yeah. And I always thought it would have been interesting if they revealed that this woman was actually mm-hmm. Ares, the god, you know, who yeah. you always think of as a man. But then they kind of just threw her away. Yeah. And she didn't matter in the story. So I think it'd be cool to see Wonder Woman go up against a woman because we just don't actually get that many female villains anymore. Yeah. Surprisingly. Very true. And I I do think that uh, Dr. Poison mm-hmm. would have been a better main bad yeah, guy in that been, yeah, first Wonder Woman. Yeah, it would have been an intriguing twist. Like, yeah. oh my God, Ares is a woman. Like, Yeah, and like when I was watching it, like midway through, I totally felt like, oh, there's something interesting about mm-hmm. this Dr. Poison character. And I already was not as interested mm-hmm. in in the, the, the dude, the white guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, th- th- that, that alone is, mm-hmm. is kind of exciting to have like yeah. a female main villain. Um, but you know, my, my feeling is kind of what you've been hearing well, is she's she like really a, gonna pull it off there's there's two things i think about like well okay are they gonna move away from like the comedic kristen mm-hmm. wig um she has done drama before so it's not like mm-hmm. she couldn't do it yeah. but it, to me it's almost like if they make it like a non-comedic character then it's sort of like well what's the why did you hire why kristen did you wig? hire yeah, <laughs> like yeah. maybe the funniest actress working in hollywood right now you know um and then on the flip side like, okay, what if you do sort of utilize her, her comedic gifts? Mm-hmm. Then does it really fit with Does it Wonder work? Yeah. yeah. So either way, it's kind of yeah, like, I know. Eh. I'm wondering if they're just going to go with kind of like the, you know, like the psycho humor, like how Joker, he laughs at his own jokes, but he's terrifying oh, at the right. same time, you know? So oh, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe it's something like that. Um, yeah, that, it's that really could, hard to tell. That could work. Yeah. Um, but another thing is, and... I think this is kind of points for Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. Like they get lesser known actors mm-hmm. and you don't really have that baggage, right? Yeah. Um, with with Kristen Wiig, I know when I see her you think in of Wonder like Woman, older SNL characters. I'm going <laughs> to think of SNL. I'm going to think of that scene in Bridesmaids on the airplane oh where she's drunk. Like that is such a like a, an amazing masterpiece yeah. of, yeah. of, of, uh, of comedy, That's you know. And I, I know I will not be able to get that like out of my head. So it's going to be tough. I honestly always picture her tiny hand skit. Have you yeah. seen these? Yeah, those <laughs> like, are great. I, I always think of that. And I'm like, oh, no. It's going to be so, the tiny hands. Like, slight uphill battle to get over yeah, that. But, yeah, you know. I know. It's a weird um, DCEU strategy to cast like these huge actors mm-hmm. that have to overcome like their own personas um, yeah and then like as we've seen they've kind of underutilized all of them so far i feel yeah, like uh, yeah. with the exception of maybe gal gadot in wonder woman i feel like mm-hmm. oh my god like will smith like he could have been used better um henry yeah. cavill really hasn't been used well 
So, I mean, here's hoping that, you know, they figure out what to do with WIG. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) So, also... Never know with the DCEU. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of the DCEU, more Mm -hmm. DC movie news. New Gods Mm -hmm. has been announced and has a director, right? Yeah, it's Ava DuVernay. Yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, And I say this as someone, like... I, you know, we always talk about this. I love DC, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like the, the, you know, the films disappoint me. But I am really excited about this hiring. Um, and I know Ava DuVernay was originally on Black Panther uh, from Marvel. And then mm-hmm. they split ways because it sounded like there were just too many creative differences. And it's great to see DC pick her up because it's a chance for maybe the DCEU to finally kind of like course correct itself. Yeah. Um, Because at this point, a lot of the films with Marvel have, well, practically all of the films with Marvel have been directed by white men. Yep. Um, It wasn't until Thor Ragnarok and Black Mm -hmm. Panther, we got, you know, men of color. And then it's going to be Marvel's 21st film, I believe, with Captain Marvel mm-hmm. that's co-directed by a woman, not even solo directed. Um, so okay. that, you know, that's 21 films deep. Um, and I will give the DCEU credit for hiring Patty Jenkins as their fourth director. Yeah. You know, which is like straight out the gate. That's already a pretty decent ratio compared right. to Marvel. And then now they have Ava DuVernay. Um, yeah, and it's, it's exciting because I think New Gods is a really fantastical story that will kind of put to use the same... Uh, visuals and creativity she put in wrinkle in time mm-hmm. yep yeah because <clears throat> i would say new gods is kind of like what can i compare to like in marvel <laughs> i guess it would be it's fantastical like asgard that's what i was thinking is. too yeah yeah so, yeah so basically there's for people who don't know there's basically they're called new gods because they're literally gods um but they're newer than the classical mythological gods and they all live on like these two planets, basically. One of them is kind of like this lush technological marvel. The other one is kind of like a hellscape, you know, like mm. it's completely inhospitable. So of course, everyone who lives on that planet, you know, are going to be the bad guys. And it's kind of this family drama between these two planets and these two kind of fathers of each of these planets because they try to do a truce. They swap sons, but they're always at war with each other. And the bad guy from the bad planet, I'm not, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be very general. The <laughs> yep. bad place okay. is Dark Seed, which uh-huh. is, I would say, the DCEU's Thanos. Yep. And they can turn him into that. Yeah. So it's exciting that you're basically getting this black woman who is gonna enter this character who could be the, you know, the head bad guy mm-hmm. of the DCEU. And she's gonna be introing all these new, weird, kind of fantastical gods who I'm hoping, because it's Ava DuVernay, are all going to be really diverse, you know, a bunch of people of color. So the prospect of her being kind of like the head of all of this is very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think we're continuing to see the huge impact of Black Panther, I think, right? I think there's no doubt in my mind that a lot of the recent news we've been hearing is as a result of the success okay. of that movie. You know, I think uh, Whedon's leaving of Batgirl, mm-hmm. I think that was related. You know, like, I think people were thinking, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, well, Black Panther had 
an African-American director for an African-American superhero. Yeah, how well it's doing. Yeah, and then yeah. we saw with what happened with Wonder Woman. Maybe it would be a good idea to have a female director yeah, on I Batgirl, de- you know? Yeah. I definitely think that Black Panther's success, and, like, they just announced that it's now breaking records in, like, its fifth week or something, yeah. and it's, like, alongside... It was like Titanic, yeah. a few other movies that have 25 other movies that have only ever done that in the history of movies. Yeah. Um, and I definitely think that lit a fire underneath DC's ass, you yes. know, because they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, like, yep. And especially with the fact that the Justice League film did the least amount. And meanwhile, Marvel has a solo film that's, you know, probably on track to actually beat its team up films. You know, it yeah. already beat, I think. Age of Ultron. It hasn't yeah. beat Avengers yet, but I mean, who knows? <laughs> it might. You know? It might. So I definitely do think that DC is like, oh man, maybe there's something to this, to getting directors of the background of the character they're mm-hmm. portraying. Yeah. Know? Yeah. The Black Panther movie is a bona fide phenomenon yeah, right now. Insane. And no one can ignore the box office. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the dollar signs are huge. And um, yeah. I mean, I think, like, I was wondering, oh, well, is it one of these things where it's, like, of the moment and it'll just kind of go away? But I I, I think it's really making an impact. Yeah. Yeah. And with New Gods, it's pretty cool because it's not like this is a story about women or people of color, but they still got a female person of color um, director. And, uh, yeah, I think it was in part uh, due to... Black Panther success, yeah, right? Yeah, and if you just look at what Ava DuVernay did with the casting of Wrinkle in Time, like you can only imagine yeah. how creative she'll be with the castings for New Gods. So yeah, DCEU stories <laughs> consistently are all over the place, but I have to say at least their castings have been, you know, relatively diverse. Mm-hmm. It's the okay. one thing I will give them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, you know... Like we've been talking about, I think there's there's some hope. There's hope, yes. Yeah. There's hope on the horizon. Please. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so let's get into altered carbon. Yes. So altered carbon is a new newish uh, Netflix show, and um, we the two of us we just finished this, right? Mm-hmm. You finished it last night. Yes. Okay, yes. me too. So it's pretty fresh <laughs> in our yes. heads, um, but uh, so. Like a big question that I wanted to pose, mm-hmm. it's a very simplistic question, maybe too simplistic, but is this show racist? <laughs> it's a very oversimplified question, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's an important question because um, we've seen a lot of what Asian culture and Asian people have gone through in pop culture in recent times, and the pictures. It's not great, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so maybe we'll take a step back first and just kind of look at the landscape a bit, because you know a lot has been talked about in terms of like whitewashing, but it's not just whitewashing. I mean, we've seen Asians <laughs> get put through the mill in pop culture, and like just thinking about it, it's like wow we've had it pretty rough in a lot of different ways, right? So whitewashing is just like one thing. I mean, there's cultural appropriation. Uh, there's uh, uh, there's this thing called white savior 
complex, mm-hmm. which is all over the place. Um, that, was, that was Iron Fist. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, so I thought I'd go, I'd go down the list. Mm-hmm. Iron Fist for sure. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, uh, I mean, that might have been my Iron Fist may have hit all upon all of these, mm-hmm. in a, to some degree, <laughs> uh, for sure. White savior complex for sure. Cultural appropriation, maybe not so much whitewashing because yes, yeah. the character in the comics is originally white. Yes, but it was definitely those other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, there's all these different combinations. I mean, you know, Batman Begins touches upon upon this oh too. You know, I mean, look at the Ra's al Ghul character. That's mm-hmm. a whitewashed character. There's absolutely cultural appropriation going on where Batman learns martial arts like mm-hmm. in Asia, and then yeah, there's some aspect of uh, white uh savior complex too right he's yeah. using asian like culture to win to, yeah it's like inherent to batman's <laughs> character actually yeah. right um maybe we don't have to go into depth on all of these but you know dr strange for sure there's a whitewashed character there's cultural appropriation um aloha we saw emma stone mm-hmm. play an asian <laughs> that one i still it, it, it shocks me that in 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 like this decade that this happened yeah. you know um Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. we saw whitewashing mm-hmm. happen. Um, for sure, cultural appropriation too. I mean, um, when we talk cyberpunk, which were related, which is related mm-hmm. to altered carbon. I mean, we, we that's where cultural appropriation has really run rampant. Mm-hmm. I think we, we, you know, when we see Blade Runner, Ghost in the Shell, and yes, altered carbon. Um, it's these shows and movies that are. They feel super Asian, but where are the Asian people, you know? So um, there are varying levels of offensiveness and, you know, different people um, have different takes on these sort of things. Um, But yeah, let's get into Altered Carbon now. The reason Altered Carbon gets into this conversation is because the main character is played by a white man, Joel Kinnaman but his consciousness is of an Asian man, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, a Japanese man. There you go. So let, let's start there. Um, and I know that you have read the source material, right? Yes. So, um, yeah, Claire, maybe you can talk about, why don't we start there, like with um, just comparing the source material to mm-hmm. the, the show itself. Okay. Um, so I actually, I wrote a thing about this show um, two years ago for Nerds of Color, Um, I read the book, and I wrote about it because way early on in 2016, they had announced Joel Kinnaman was playing this character, and the announcement was Joel Kinnaman is playing Takeshi Kovach. Kovach. I always get his last name wrong. I'm going (laughs) to just say Takeshi. There you go. Yeah, so, and of course everyone saw that, and they're like, Takeshi. Right. Like, um, excuse me. Uh, You know, and a lot of people were really up in arms about it, so... I was like, I'm up in arms about this too, but I'm going to read it and yeah. write it. So, there you, you go. Because get those bylines, everyone. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so I read it, and I would say the book is interesting in how it deals with this. So the premise is this is in the future, the 25th century, when people have managed to store all of human consciousness on a digital stack. Right. So you can basically, so because your whole soul is in this little stack, you can swap bodies. Um, you can live forever if, you know, you have enough money. So Takeshi is this Asian character who's born as like a Japanese, half Japanese, half Russian man on kind of like this off-world planet called Harlan's World. And he goes through all this stuff. 
And then he's eventually sleeved into this white body of a white detective um, named Elias Riker. And he is told, you have to go solve crime. So, I mean, that alone is literal canonical whitewashing, what we'd consider, right? (laughs) Right. Because we're seeing an Asian man, or we're seeing an Asian man in a white body. Yeah. Um, But in the book, it's kind of intriguing because it's first person. Okay. So every time Takeshi talks, what you're seeing is Asian Takeshi because you don't, you know, because of the whole medium of reading, mm-hmm. who you're hearing is Takeshi as an Asian man. Um, and he kind of goes through this whole thing of saying he feels disconnected from his body. Uh, he looks in the mirror and he's like, oh, my God, who is this white guy? Yeah. You know, so it's made very clear that that's two separate things. Um, yeah. But, of course, when you switch it over to a TV show or it's a visual medium, um, then it becomes, well, how are we going to see Takeshi? Yeah. You know, because in the books, like, you would only really see Riker, the white guy, if he was looking in the mirror, Uh, essentially, you know? Yeah. Um, And sometimes he would comment, like, oh, this body's craving a cigarette, but I don't smoke. So it was very, you know, nuanced. But in the show, how do you translate that? Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah, and I just, well, what are your thoughts? How about we go there? What do you, going back to your question, do you think this show is racist? For well, just specifically this, the Takeshi Riker thing. Sure, yeah. I, I, I wanted to pose that question because mm-hmm. it's a very simple question that comes it's up actually, a lot these yeah, days, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. And, like, of course, yeah, so when I wrote this article, um, what did I say? I said, oh, well, it's still whitewashing. This was back when we just knew that he was cast. Right. You hadn't seen the show I yet. I hadn't seen the yet. show right. because I was like, well, look, in the book, you know, you hear Takeshi, so they should have cast an Asian guy as the first casting, you know, the yeah. primary one. And Joel Kinnaman should have been the secondary character, or they should have cast the two guys at the same time, you know, and announced right. both at the same time. So I was like, this is still whitewashing, you know. Um, and that is the article everyone shared for two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this show came out. And then I was asked to write an updated review after having seen the show. Um, and I have different feelings. Or I would mm. say I have more nuanced feelings mm-hmm. now that I think I would love to talk about with you. Because sure. I definitely think the show, it's not a basic um, it's not a basic example of whitewashing, like how yeah. ancient ones Tilda Swinton is. Right, right. You know, I yeah. think there's there's a lot more going on in the show, and you have to consider the plot itself and the environment it's in, and just the comparisons between the book and the show. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a lot. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And before we go on, uh, just a quick spoiler alert, we're, we will get into <laughs> yeah, major plot points. Yeah, we're going to have to like go deep. <laughs> yeah, there's no way we can get around yeah. that, right? Um, but yeah, I think the, the question is important because it's a very simple question. I think the answer is not that simple, yeah. right? Yeah. You kind of have to be like, well, it's not a simple yes or no. Mm-hmm. Like like you, you were saying, it's very nuanced. Like, this show is very thought-provoking. Like, I wouldn't recommend going into this just sort of, like, watching it as escapist entertainment, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. You should go into this, be prepared to sort of put your thinking cap yeah. on a little bit because it gets into a lot of pretty interesting themes, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's talk about just this whole, like, 
Asian mind in a white body thing mm -hmm. first off because th there is definitely this knee-jerk reaction you had it mm -hmm. I certainly had it when I heard like the premise of the show I'm yeah. like what <laughs> like we're still doing this shit you know um, and there's certainly an, an aspect of it that I can't get over like mm -hmm. from beginning to end of season one like yeah. I, I i just it was a hurdle that i could not get <laughs> over you know and like literally like episode one we see takeshi as an asian man die or at least his body dies yeah. and then he's like reborn mm -hmm. as a white man and like oh man i, I was so ready to just like oh yeah be I done with this yeah, you know i saw the online reaction oh this, man know, like it's like reaction. really you know this is still happening and um to take it back a bit like i, I mentioned all these like categories mm -hmm. of of racism against asians in hollywood maybe there's a new one too because um i noticed with not only altered carbon but also ghost in the show mm -hmm. we see characters that have this aspect to them that they are uh, Asian consciousness in white bodies, mm -hmm. right? We saw that with the Scarlett Johansson character, and we're seeing it here with the Joel Kinnaman character, yes, right? Yeah. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Like, that to me is almost worse than whitewashing, because if you're going to say, okay, um, here's a character that is um, Asian in, like, the comic books or in the novel or whatever, and we're just okay, we're just going to make them a white person. And if they're just like, they're white and like, just deal with it, that's one thing. Like, okay, maybe I can get over that. Probably not, but, you know, maybe. But it, to me, it's almost like, it, it's like sticking the knife in and twisting it to have them be, you know, a white actor. And yet I'm supposed to, to take it like that there's like an Asian within them that that's that's almost worse for me i mean i think we talked about this with ghost in the shell a bit where that was really like the point where i just threw my hands up like um because going in i was kind of like well if if the take we're doing with the major character in this movie is that uh she's just an android and she happens to look white okay let's go with that but then they threw in that curveball right where it's like oh actually it was really her. She was originally a Japanese woman. I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> no, you know. Yeah. And then, I, so that was sort of my feeling mm -hmm. with this Takeshi character, yeah. right? I, I can never really get over that hurdle. I mean, I mean, you, you see where I'm coming from, right? No, I do. Actually, it's it's interesting you bring up uh, Ghost in the Shell, the movie, because and I learned this through writing uh, that piece. Um, the director. Of altered carbon, um, uh, who's a woman, uh, Leta Calogridis. Um, she was actually the director attached to the Ghosts in the Shell film oh. before she. I can't. I don't know if she walked away or stepped or they fired her. I don't really know. But she basically, you know, stepped down from the project. And it was after she left that they cast Scarlett Johansson. Okay. And someone managed to get her in an interview, and she was really upset about it. She was yeah. like. I don't know why you would do that because the source material, you know, like Major Kusanagi is Major Kusanagi. Mm -hmm. Why are you going to try to hire Scarlett Johansson? So she was actually really disappointed they did that with the project after she left. Yeah. And like reading that and then thinking about the fact that the source material of Altered Carbon is literally 
an Asian guy in a white body, I was like, oh, well, maybe this director, what she's just doing is literally translating the source material. You know, like if she was upset about Ghost in the Shell uh, not being Asian, I could see why she still kept that dynamic Mm -hmm. from Altered Carbon, you know, because it was like that in the book. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and (laughs) I think I had a different, not a different takeaway from you, but I, I guess, came at it from a more positive perspective because I was looking more at the women than at Takeshi. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we can we can go over that later, but yeah, I mean there's definitely a precedent for Asians getting erased in stories that should have them and I do think as much as I actually ended up enjoying the show because of the the roles they added in for the women. Mm-hmm. I do think they also could have shown um, his original body more, Takeshi's original body, which was played by Will Yun Lee. Yeah. I And this is the same thing I said in my original old 2016 Nerds of Color piece, is there are ways you can show Takeshi in the story. Yeah. You know, like every time he walks by a reflective surface, you could show him. Or there should be moments when he's sitting alone in his room where you should see William Lee because why would he be Riker in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if we just go spoiler into the last two episodes, right, where he's with his sister, mm-hmm. like I could not believe that she wouldn't keep his body, his real body on ice or like recreate it and force him into it, you know? Because uh-huh. it just seems like something she would do. So I was yeah. surprised that we were still seeing him in that moment. Yeah. And even yeah. at the end, when he was in the virtual construct, mm-hmm. I was like, why does he look like Riker? Like, he should be looking like William Lee. So they're <laughs> definitely... Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, I don't think they could have changed... I don't think now they could have changed that dynamic fully um, because that was the source material. But, you know, I say that, but also, I mean, Riker didn't have to be white at the end of the day, right? Right. And he could have been an Asian man or any other man of color or whatever. Um but so I feel like she did more, but also less than she could mm-hmm. have done. Like maybe more with all the side character, definitely more with all the side characters, but less than I feel like they could have done with Takeshi. Yeah. And it is, see, and it's hard. Like I go back and forth because, <laughs> like for me, I was able to get over it. But I also think it's a missed opportunity to use Will Young Lee more. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like. So besides the one major thing that I had a problem with, mm-hmm. I think pretty much everything else, every other aspect of the show was done well. Yeah. You know, um, there are tons of actors of color in this show. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think the way it deals with its themes is, is, is good too. Like it, it doesn't hit you over the head with uh, these themes, but it just sort of like brings up, oh, you know, what is it? to be human yeah. and just like the the wonders and the dangers of technology yeah. um and how and will the human body be devalued if you don't need it anymore to live yeah know? and this this yeah. a lot of interesting stuff like yeah. you know the whole like um the disconnect of the mind and the body like mm-hmm. um it's pretty interesting that like in this world you could essentially become immortal mm-hmm. but not in the same body yeah. And then when you shift bodies, they call them sleeves, right? Mm-hmm. When you shift into a new sleeve, are you still the same person? Yeah. Are you still human? You know, like, I mean, there's these really deep philosophical yeah. sort of themes that are really interesting. And again, I think they're handled well. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's just – yeah, and I thought it – I mean, like, I think it's interesting – um, alone that this is a huge apparently it's Netflix's biggest budget sci-fi project mm. and they gave it to a woman so I felt already that was really notable because um, women just don't get big projects like that you know yeah. um, and then I think a lot of the sensitivity in the show came from there being a woman director because the plot itself is pretty I mean in the hands of like a man, it could have been really sketchy, right? Yeah. Because the whole plot revolves around um, Takeshi having to investigate the deaths of all these sex workers, all these women who have been brutally murdered by yeah. men. Um, and you do see some of that brutality, but I feel like the director did what she could to kind of make that less terrible. Yeah. Um, and in response she gave all those parts yeah like the the women like i was saying where um so in the books most of the women you see by the end of that episode the last episode just weren't in the books or they were very flat so there was still mm-hmm. ortega yeah but ortega you only ever saw through takeshi's eyes so she wasn't that developed she didn't have that whole family you see um raylene was not his sister she was just a woman he worked for a long time ago. It's kind oh. of like a hired gun. She was very flat. Like, she's just a bad guy, and you're like, whatever. Okay, she's bad. There's no, you know, emotion there. There's no attachment to her. So when she dies, you're like, whatever. Yeah. Whereas here, I would say that that scene between them, when he's holding her body at the end, is very emotional. Mm. Um, you know, almost very moving, even though she was a terrible, <laughs> terrible person. Yeah. You know, Um and then you see Quell, which is played by uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry, the Hamilton actor, um, oh, okay. who was not in the book at all, the first book. She's literally mentioned only by name. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, yeah, so there's a lot. And then there's Eli- uh, the Elliot girl, Lizzie, mm-hmm. yeah. who in the books, you literally mention her name once as the girl who died, and that's it. That is it. Okay. But in this, they gave her this full backstory and then she gets her justice at the end. Like, she comes back, which was I thought was amazing. And I thought that was one of yeah. the coolest scenes when she kind of transforms that synthetic. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, and then there's Prescott, that woman who she was a terrible person kind of working for the maths. But then she feels bad by the end of it. Remember okay. the one who was framed? And then oh, she yeah, ends yeah, up yeah, working yeah. with Tanaka. Right. to help take down the you know the rich folks. Yep. <laughs> you know so I I thought that was interesting that you had all of these characters especially women of color who weren't even there in the books at all or were just completely like one dimensional yeah. have kind of their own full arcs and their mm-hmm. own stories and which I think was important to balance out all of the you know the the death of the sex workers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was it was a lot more nuanced than I in that regard than I expected at all. Yeah, there's a lot of nuance for sure. And that's interesting, you mentioned how there was like a woman behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that. And now that you've said that, it, yeah. these sort of these things kind of make more sense to me. It's like, oh, like this wasn't like the straightforward, mm-hmm. like offensive show that yeah. I thought it was gonna yeah. be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's, like I said before, it's very, very thought provoking. Um, I still have to go back to, like, my main problem mm-hmm. with it. And that's, of course, you know, this the, the, the Asian consciousness in a white body. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we, we see it a lot with Takeshi. 
Um, but that's not the only time we see it. Like uh, an interesting part of the show is um, these stacks being put into different sleeves, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the show is pretty bonkers. <laughs> like yeah. it goes into places that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, like the first half of the season, it felt a lot like sort of typical yeah, cyberpunk. Kinda, yeah, kind of slow start. Yeah, it felt like oh, this is this feels a lot like Blade Runner, you know. Um, but the the one aspect where it differs from Blade Runner is like these stacks like yeah. this technological mm-hmm. immortality right mm-hmm. and that's where like i think with the second half of the season it just kind of went off mm-hmm. and it really kind of picked up the pace and it, it just got crazy in, in kind of a great way you know mm-hmm. we saw some like pretty amazing uh action scenes and some really just crazy stuff yeah. you know in, in a good way too um but i'll call out like you know i think the majority of the time we see these sort of like stack switches, mm-hmm. it's usually like a woman or a person of color being placed into a white man's body. Oh, you know, <laughs> like okay, so like of course there's Takeshi, but you know we, there there are other times we've seen this. Like one of the more interesting characters is Ortega's mother, uh, or no, her grandmother. Her grandmother. Yeah. So he, he she wants to like have dinner with her mm-hmm. grandmother and her mom, right? So. Um, she takes her stack and puts it in like a white guy's body, right? So it's kind of interesting, but at the same time, it's like, oh, well, here's yet another role that has gone to the white guy. And And even, even, uh, what is it, Mrs. Elliot? Um, She's a white woman, you see right at the end, but she does get put into a white man's body. And on one hand, it's interesting to see um, Mr. Elliot uh, have, he's a black man, he has... His, his wife comes back as a white man, yeah. but he still clearly loves her. So, I, like, on one hand, that's interesting. It but is. But, yeah, on the other hand, yeah, it's a it's a white guy again. So why yeah. couldn't that have been any other gender, ethnicity, whatever? Yeah, so I do – I definitely think that with this whole concept, they could have gone wilder with it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we – I really think – and I keep coming back to this. Of all the – you know, I love all of these women of color that got parts, but Joel Kinnaman should have been swapped out more. Um, yeah. We should have seen him changing bodies. And in the book, you do see him kind of like do other sleeves. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think they could have I, th- I think they could have gotten, you know, Joel Kinnaman to like sit down a little, you know, <laughs> like give William Lee a little more. I do think William Lee should have ended the last two episodes. Right. He should have, you know, because Takeshi is so clever. We do see that. Yeah. He's so inventive and stuff. And so you would think to get through certain situations, he would purposely sleeve in another body to kind of, you know, hide yeah, in certain things. Because yeah. Riker was kind of, the issue with Riker was he was res- like, he was noticed everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Because he was a cop. So like he tried to go to places and he'd get stopped all the time. Yep. So you would think that he would have swapped. But, you know, I think the show, because it was so reliant on... Kinnaman being the lead actor that it was kind of like they didn't really want to let him go when they should have you know yeah to like be a truly you know interesting yeah the show does get interesting when it goes like super bonkers like yeah. there's this crazy scene where Ortega battles like 12 different clones of Ray oh, yeah, and she's naked <laughs> like yeah, yeah, that it was is insane. Yeah. it's super insane but in like an awesome way and um, I, I totally agree with what you're saying like the, the show 
could have been even more bonkers if yeah. they just like swapped people like crazy and just completely mm-hmm. blurred all lines then that would have been like super cool and yeah. in the book the uh the bad guy isn't really Raylene. so there's like the ghost walker in the show the guy who uh thankfully ortega gets to defeat whereas in the book i think it was you know takeshi okay. but um in the book he's not really the ghost walker like that he's literally the patchwork man you know how they kind of brought that up in the background oh the yeah story of the oh patchwork okay man? yeah but in the book he's literally the patchwork man and he's a guy who kind of is formed through all these different body parts he's kind of like a um he's like a frankenstein like character so oh, okay. the, you know so there are some really weird things in the books and like that scene where he fights those weird modified humans like the rhino guy and stuff in the in the cage oh yeah there were more of those you know so i think yeah i think they could have gone a little weirder um and my hope for the show is that they do a lot more sleeve swapping because in the second book and they did say um the director said that they're hoping for five seasons at least so in um so in the second book he's not in the body of a white guy at all um, he's often in the body of like I believe a Maori man. Oh wow! So I'm yeah. So my hope is that um, I swear to God, if Joel Kinnaman somehow gets brought back, I'm gonna be upset because then it's <laughs> not gonna be canonical. But you know, I do think this franchise has really an interesting you know premise, mm-hmm. and I think there's a chance to really make the series super diverse because. Yeah. The whole concept is Takeshi's constantly in different bodies. Yeah. You know, so if you keep putting him in, like, people of color, you know, it'll be an interesting, you know, what does it mean when an Asian man is in a Polynesian body or in a mm-hmm. black body or in it? Like, how does that dynamic and how he acts change? You yeah. know, so I would be interested to see that. Um yeah, but like we've said, you know, they could have done more in the first season, but I have hopes, you know, for <laughs> subsequent seasons that they'll be more creative with it, you know? Yeah. And it was a great performance yeah. by by that guy who is basically acting like a Mexican grandmother, right? Oh, my God. That but was actually pretty funny. It was hilarious, yeah. but at the yeah. same time, like, oh, my God, yeah, like, did it have it, to yeah. be a white guy? And it and in this world, it doesn't. It yeah. shouldn't. It should be, like all kinds of crazy diversity you know that that i mean that's like it seemed to be like a major theme of the show right Mm -hmm. it's like who are we Mm -hmm. we aren't the skin we inhabit right so you know you know um and then we have to talk about episode seven right which is i mean that was my favorite episode and it wasn't in the books yeah okay Mm -hmm. so Uh, this episode centered around takeshi but not in his white body, but in the Will Young Lee his body, body yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And um, so you're saying this whole uh, thing with with um, the uprising and all that that was really not touched upon in the book not, so much. Um, I'm I think in subsequent books, I will fully admit I've only read the first one. Okay. I just started the second one. Um, so in the first one, which is what this whole season is based off of, there was no. I mean, like, you only hear of the revolution and Quelchrist and passing. Like, you, mm-hmm. uh, he he passes by, like, either a textbook or some radio thing, and they mention it in the background. So okay. it's not at all, like, part of the narrative. He doesn't have Quell talking to him the whole time. You know, like this one, um, it's really non-existent in okay. the first book. Yeah. yeah, you know, never mind, you know, it's an Asian lead in this episode. But I found the storyline for this episode much more interesting than the whole season. You know, this whole idea of a revolution and like what should have been a huge breakthrough in science and technology becoming like 
a nightmare for the world, right? Mm -hmm. And this this group that is like a resistance group. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was super compelling and the performances are amazing. And um, like how awesome was William Lee in this episode? I mean, he was just fantastic, you know? Yeah, him and Deacon Lockman were... um amazing together i thought they had a really interesting i'm probably saying her name wrong i'm sorry (laughs) let me just go back but like um yeah i mean they played really compelling siblings like and Mm -hmm. i'm really you know watching that i was just so sad that both of these actors have not kind of gotten the hollywood you know fame that other actors have gotten because they did it so well and i think that was one of the things i loved about the show is it gave them roles where they could really kind of flex yeah you know william lee was a really emotional character you know that he played and so was his sister you know raylene Mm -hmm. she was really emotional especially at the end and i'm just you know it's really impressive that they were given the chance to do this right especially in that episode yeah if you know you're a studio exec and you're making the argument that Asian actors aren't good looking enough or they don't have the acting chops. Yeah. Like watch this episode I because I mean, William Lee completely kills it mm-hmm. and he looks great and the performance is yeah. super powerful too, right? So yeah, I can't say enough about that episode. And that episode almost kind of ruined me <laughs> for the rest of the season because, yeah. you know, I, I, I will say, you know, there are a lot of... Um, positives to to this show um but like yeah after that episode i'm like wow like i I should have seen him more yeah yeah, like i I almost want to like revisit that whole (laughs) thing like the the point where they started to rebel and and um have a show just about that have a show about that which is interesting (laughs) because that was the creation of the of the woman the director but everything else was the plot of the male you know book writer right so then it makes it makes you think you because i read a lot of reviews too and everyone said oh my god i want this episode to be its own show and yeah. i was like just give it to her <laughs> like netflix <laughs> just give her the show you know because it's clear that she you know was intrigued by these characters and interested in their their history more so than this present plot with bancroft which was really just kind of like eh. you know the bancroft yeah. plot was not great um, yeah yeah, and it's just so I hope that because that was such a, a positive feedback episode that in subsequent um, episodes or seasons we'll see more of his backstory, you know, yeah. maybe before or after that or during. And a part of me feels like Raylene isn't really gone. Mm. You know, I just feel like they had such a intense like relationship that maybe she'll be, br- you know, brought back oh, in some okay. way or form, you know, because you never really know with this world. Yeah, um, we see like a bullet hole in her neck, but we don't see her like destroyed stack at any point, right? Yeah, so, we don't see it. And, you know, this, yeah. and then they set up, obviously, the future seasons would be about him trying to find Quell. Yeah. You know, so definitely at least flashbacks i feel like we'll see raylene or something so you know i'll be interested Mm -hmm. to see how they tease out the relationship between those three people yeah and again in this world the body that takeshi inhabits doesn't necessarily have to be Mm -hmm. the the white body that he inhabited most of this season right um it could be Anyone. It could yeah, be any I, actor, like literally yeah. anyone, a woman, no, would, a man, yeah, personal lo- color. Yeah, I would love to actually see that, to just see it completely swap up, but we still hear Takeshi. Yeah. You know? Oh, that was the other thing. <laughs> so in episode seven, I loved it, except for the fact that for some reason, Joel Kinnaman's voice was the one doing the narration. Oh, right. And I'm like, but why would it be Riker's voice 
when this is happening like years and years before he's even born. You know, so it's just little things like that. Like I would love to actually hear Will Yun Lee's voice. Yeah. You know, in subsequent seasons, I'd love to see him more or see whatever body he chooses yeah. because it sounds like he always had a preference for Asian bodies over white bodies, you know, mm-hmm. if you had the choice. So I would just love to see more of that Takeshi come out. Yeah, and it's true. So with this main character, mm-hmm. Takeshi, we see him mainly mm-hmm. in, in this white body, but the two previous bodies uh, we see him in are both Asian men. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and in the books, he, they do mention the books. He always prefers Asian bodies. Okay. Yeah. So it is canonical. So <laughs> I'm just putting it out there, Asian or Polynesian. Like. And another strong performance is the other Asian actor who played Takeshi, yeah, um, Byron, Byron Mann. Yeah. yeah, he was great. Not only playing Takeshi in episode one, but that sleeve is used later. Mm-hmm. That that the. the the body that was used for the Mexican grandma, mm-hmm. that stack was placed in the Byron Man body, I believe, right? Oh, the the bad guy, yeah. The bad guy, nice. yeah, yeah. Not the, the. I was like, the, the, wait, the, not grandma, the grandma. Was, I was like, oh, I forgot this part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the that stack guy, was yeah. was placed yes. in the Byron Man body. Has to fight like it was interesting. Takeshi has to fight like his own past body. Yeah. Yeah. Right, super crazy, and like, and also uh, one of the fewer cases where we do see, like, I don't know, I guess a white mind in an Asian body, yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. kind of cool. And he he's a great like villain for that episode, right? Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think that's where the show can definitely go with it. Where yes, maybe on its own, an Asian mind in a white body is really iffy, but if you swap up everyone. Then it becomes more like, well, you know, like, look at what everyone's doing. So it becomes almost more palatable, you know, like, because everyone is going to be swapping. And if we're going to be seeing more people of color than, you know, white people, you know, maybe that's how to truly explore, like, sci-fi future themes, you know, is to really make it uber diverse, uber weird, you know. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. If they just completely went overboard and just all kinds of different people are swapping into all different Mm -hmm. kinds of bodies, then not only would it fit this theme of the show, Mm -hmm. but then it becomes like, okay, it becomes like less offensive, really, you know, to be honest. Um, So, yeah, in terms of like future seasons, um, I would love to see that. Yeah, Yeah. no, I do think, I think working within the confines that she was given, I think the director did, you know, as much as she, maybe not like the most that she could have done, but she definitely did more than I expected. Um, She didn't have to write in all those parts for the women of color. Um, She didn't even have to write that episode seven, you know, she could have, if she went exactly like how the book went, and then Castle can come in and didn't even have William Lee doing like the voiceovers like in the book. It could have been a super white <laughs> production. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I I think she did a lot, you know. I I'm impressed. And I'm sad that uh, we never saw her ghost in the shell. <laughs> yeah, now you wonder like, oh yeah, how great like, that yeah. could have been, right? Oh my gosh, and now no one ever wants to <laughs> see that project ever again. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think um yeah, there there are a lot of certainly a lot of positives um, from the show, and yeah, like to to try to simplify it, I think is kind of the wrong way to go. Yeah. Like, oh, this show's racist. I'm not gonna watch it. 
Yeah. You know. And I think it's better to go in with nuance, too, because I've I've learned since I wrote that original Nerds of Color piece that as soon as you bring up the words like racism and whitewashing, a lot of people are just like, I don't want to hear it. You know, like they don't yeah. want to have a conversation and it shuts it down. So I try, I try to use different words now because uh-huh. sometimes I do want to have a conversation. I want to be like, well, okay, look, there's pluses and minuses. Like we can talk about this, but we can also admit this was done well. But this, you know, like it just, and I think that's, that's what makes it more interesting to talk about media is when you have these conversations like we have on the podcast. Yeah. And it sucks when you try to talk to someone about something and they're like, well, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, like overall, I, I struggled so much with this show that mm-hmm. like I can't say my overall experience was a positive one. But yeah. the 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 fact of the matter is that it really challenged me, you know, yeah. and it made me think. And that alone, I think, is yeah, th- for there a are benefits. Sci-fi film, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. So you didn't have a positive takeaway. I would say I. Did, but that's because I'm looking at it from the women's perspective. And even though, like, most of the women of color aren't specifically of my color, you know, they're not Asian, um, I still felt represented by all of them. So <laughs> it's yeah. interesting how we have these two different perspectives. Yeah, um, it is. It is. Yeah, but I think we can both agree it was a very you know, interesting concept, interesting show. I think more thought-provoking than, like, let me be real, Blade Runner. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) the new one, especially, which was super white. Very Um, white. Yeah, so I I think she did a good job. Yeah, in some ways, it's kind of like the anti-Blade Runner because with Blade Runner... Uh, it was like the Asian aesthetic all over. You saw Korean letters yes, on the wall. Yes, <laughs> and it's all white people. Yeah. Like There's hardly any Asians yeah, on screen Ryan at Gosling's all. Ryan Gosling's character could have been an Asian, right? Um, I mean, like, but the point I was getting at was, you know, that, that new Blade Runner I, I did enjoy, but that was kind of on a very escapist level. Like, yeah. I mean, the cinematography mm-hmm. is gorgeous. Yes. I mean, the, the DP won an Oscar for that movie, and he deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Altered Carbon, it's sort of like, well, it grabs hold of you it's like you're not going to go into escape this la la land like i want you to look at these characters and like follow what's going on and like how do you feel about it and it really confronts you you know and like you've you've been talking about how um like there are great female characters in the show and there are certainly uh characters you can identify with but even that challenges you because like oh am i am i identifying with the actor I'm seeing on screen uh, or their character, which is their personality is yeah. more represented in the stack that's yeah. inside yeah. the body. Which is uh, very much Takeshi. He's a very yeah. likable character, I would say. Right, right. Not because of Joel, Ki- well, because of Joel Kinnaman acting, but the written character is so, you know, you get attached to him. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it really challenges yeah. so much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good thing we worked through our feelings on this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean. So are you looking forward to season two? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll have to. See who the lead see... actor is. I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah, like, you know, if they're saying, oh, Joel Kinnaman's going to reprise his role, I, I might I be like. Not. I mean, like, I, there's no basis for it in the canon, so I hope not. <laughs> but Yeah, that might be a hard no, but, yeah. you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um but because my experience was positive in that, it really got me thinking. Yeah. I, I have to think whatever they do in future seasons will be yeah. like that. You know, it will, it will be challenging and thought-provoking. Uh, so, 
you know, much like um, I would say Westworld is kind yeah. of on that level too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, the, like Altered Carbon is is pretty bonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's any show that I would say it's close to, uh, I would say Westworld is mm-hmm. kind of in that vein. Yeah, I think the, the aesthetic and, you know, the cyberpunk feel of it yes. definitely matches Blade Runner. But as a show, I think the closest we can get is, is Westworld, yeah. right? Cool. Okay. We're running a little long. So uh, (laughs) with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry and Clara.